You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com slash writing excuses. Season 16. Episode 17. This is Writing Excuses, the time to rhyme. Fifteen minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And that rhymes with scurry. (laughs) (laughs) I'm... I'm... Mary Robinette. I'm Dan. I'm Amal. I thought about saying furry, but I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) So... Thank you. Oh, 
for this brilliant demonstration of Rhyme's capacity to surprise, to uh, be playful, to do well, all sorts of and also. Things. In the outline, you're about to talk about rhyme as a failure mode. So, yes, <laughs> good good demonstration of that as well. We we appreciate that always, Howard. I have I have spent a solid twelve years here at Writing Excuses, being the <laughs> exemplary the exemplar of failure modes. You're my yes. favorite. These I are mean, Dan Dan is also my favorite, and so is Mel. You're all my favorites. Oh. Thank you. So, so the thing about Rhyme is that even though obviously everything about this thus far has been delightful, um, <laughs> Rhyme is so often kind of, you know, pointed to as an example of how poetry is bad, right? Um, that there's something kind of embarrassing about rhyme, it gets sorted into a sort of juvenile atmosphere. We think of nursery rhymes. We think of um, poetry as being for children if it is rhyme forward, if there's a lot of rhyming in it. Um, We've developed a kind of assumption of rhyme as something essentially immature. Uh, And I think that is sort of born out or supported by the fact that English, the language we are speaking on this podcast, is a rhyme-poor language. So what that means is we don't have a ton of words that rhyme with each other the way that Latinate languages do, for instance, where you have whole grammatical modes that just make it so that you can have the same um, the same rhyme and a rich rhyme, for that matter, like a, a multisyllabic rhyme happening at the end of a word, right? Yeah, when I lived in Mexico and was teaching English to some people uh, this group of teenagers was astonished, like slack-jawed, wide-eyed, shocked that English could rhyme. It had <laughs> never occurred to them that that was a possibility because in Spanish, the opportunities for rhyme are so much more present. Mm-hmm. Though at the same time, I, I kind of want to push back a little bit on the idea that rhyme is seen as juvenile. And I mm. think that that attitude comes from an academic side. Because if you look at uh, poetry as it exists kind of for the the average American, you know, the, the forward that your aunt sends to you on Facebook and that sort of thing, uh, the average Westerner, I should say, it's replete with rhyme. Rhyme is everywhere. When, when the typical person sits down to write a poem, more often than not, they're going to put rhyme into it. But I think and, that's exactly what Amal is saying is that because it, it is something that is accessible and is not not used well frequently. Yes. That's, that it is often seen as, you know, um, that it's a stage that poetry goes through and then you mature and cast off these constraints (laughs) and then, then your poetry can live. This is basically exactly what I mean. And I I think that this is the, so not to contradict your, your point, Dan, I think that's exactly true. Rhyme tends to stand in for a broader understanding of form. So what we were talking about in the last couple of episodes about ways to structure poetry, I think that a lot of people only ever learn one way that poetry looks. And that Mm -hmm. way is that it has rhyme. If you're lucky, it has a rhyme scheme or meter, which is not always part of that received idea of what a poem looks like, as evidenced by numerous Hallmark cards that yeah. do not scan uh, and stuff, but nevertheless have a rhyme. And there is the received idea that 
um, you know, that language is elevated thereby as well. I think those those two things exist at the same time, that uh, rhyme is something that you do with like children's verse or things that are aimed at kids, but it's also what you have in a Hallmark card when you want to kind of you know, pretty up the the sentiment of the thing that you are sending. If you rhyme it, it, it's a little bit more effort that has been put in there or something. I think one of the one of the problems with rhyme and a problem, but simultaneously it's a strength, is that a a single rhyme, whether it's it's an internal an internal rhyme or an end of line rhyme or or something, um, functions to the listener, to the reader, as a promise of more rhyming. Mm-hmm. And if it's not there, then then you were probably maybe you were writing prose and you had a, an accidental rhyme and now it feels weird. Mm-hmm. Or if it's not there in your poem, maybe the promise of the rhyme was subverted and you had a bunch of things that almost rhymed and you've now delivered a different sort of experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but that thought that when, rhyme, when a rhyme happens, it calls attention to itself, not just in a way to say I'm important, but in a way to say, and you should expect me to bring all my friends to the party too. Yes, that is a really, really good point. It sets up an expectation. Um, when you, and similarly, this is to come back to um, the way that we were talking about repetition before as well. Mm. When you have unintentional repetition, it strikes your attention in an awkward way. You go, oh, wait, you, you just use that word, especially for, if it's repetition of, you know, a, a particularly noticeable word. Mm-hmm. Um, you use a word like scintillate twice in three sentences. That is maybe a mistake and you should think about that and maybe revise it. Um but uh, with rhyme, it's a similar sort of thing. There are so many ways to fail at doing rhyme because it entails a whole nexus of variables. You are setting up an expectation for something that's quite difficult to do. Um, and because of this, I want to kind of compare rhyme to another thing that is very difficult to do, but that we have a, a very... Uh, heightened expectation of, which is makeup. I want to talk about, essentially, rhyme is artifice, right? Rhyme Mm -hmm. does not occur supernaturally in English. So there's a sense of the artificial whenever we deploy it. There's that sense of like, we're, we're calling attention to something, notice this thing. Makeup is something also artificial. It is artifice that we are using to a variety of different effects. You can use makeup uh, unobtrusively to sort of, without calling attention to it, highlight features of your face that you want to emphasize or de-emphasize others, right? So you can either use it that way, or you can give yourself a bold red lip and smoky eyes, right? But if you're doing a bold red lip and smoky eyes, it's a lot easier to notice where you've done it badly, right? Mm -hmm a lot more skill to deploy artifice in a way that is succeeding at the effect that it is trying to communicate. Um, So I want to think of rhyme as a bold red lip and smoky eyes. Uh, And to think about like, when you are using it in your poem, when is it going to be appropriate to be like that? And when is it 
not? Um, when do you want to put in that much effort, essentially, to um, be seen in this way when you could put in a lot less effort to achieve the same effect, for instance? Um, so in order to talk about this, uh, well, actually, I'm going to talk about that a little bit more later. Probably we want to pause here for our, our book of the week. Yes, I, I was going to to let you go because I was like, this is really interesting and I'm taking notes. <laughs> but Hey, writers, are you thinking about learning a new language? I think exploring the world, experiencing other cultures, and being able to communicate with people outside your everyday experience lets you create richer, better stories. A great way to do that is with Rosetta Stone, a trusted expert for over 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. They use an immersive technique, which leads to fast language acquisition. It's an intuitive process that helps you really learn to speak, listen, and most of all, think in the language you're trying to learn. They also feature true accent speech recognition technology that gives you feedback on your pronunciation. It's like having a voice coach in your home. Learn at home or on the go with a desktop and mobile app that let you download and access lessons even when you're offline. And it's an amazing value. A lifetime membership gives you access to all 25 languages, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, Japanese, and, of course, Korean. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Writing Excuses listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is, in fact, time for our book of the week. And I want to talk to you about The Forever Sea by Joshua Philip Johnson. This is a, a debut novel. And it's um, it's a book in which I am going to promise you that you will get uh, pirates and a high sea adventure, except that the sea is a massive, massive prairie that you can sink into. And there is magic. There's coming of age. There's, you know, adventure. But it is such a beautiful, evocative landscape. And the author comes out of a, a literary tradition. I mean, he's, he is fundamentally a science fiction and fantasy writer. But, but there, is a, um, there is a poeticness, poetic nature to the language with which he describes the prairie. It, it's a lovely book. And it's one of those things that just paints pictures in your head that linger um, and and also one of the ways in which uh, magic is done is through song, and oh. so it's it's filled with uh, filled with verse that is not um, 
it's not uh, frequently a, a typical uh, structure that you would recognize, but clearly structured and, and intentional. It's it's lovely, lovely. Highly recommend this book, The Forever Sea by Joshua Philip Johnson. I love that about uh, the combination of sea and prairies and song made uh, a sort of trifecta in my head that reminded me of an arrogant worm song. Um, they're a Canadian band and they have a song about being a pirate on the Saskatchewan prairies, basically. And I, this title has not come to my mind, um, but it is super delightful. Um, anyways, I really want to read this book. I've just learned that Canada has prairie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> It's all in the similarly to the states in the middle portions of, yes. of the country. But yes. Um, but that, that that is actually what Joshua's basing these prairies on, where the, the great prairies in the middle of the the the, the US and Canada. Um, and the way that the, the settlers when they were going across it, that they would describe it as just the sea of grass. Yes. Yeah. I've seen that especially referred to in like Kentucky. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the blue grasses there and stuff. Yeah. But come back to rhyme then, which, you know, connecting to songs and stuff, which frequently feature rhyme. Um, <clears throat> the um, when you when you want to rhyme in a poem, I, what I want to make clear is that it's not that if you are unobtrusive or unnoticeable with the rhyme, it's better than if you are you know, foregrounding the rhyme any more than saying it is better to not have noticeable makeup versus to have very noticeable makeup. Those are both choices that you make depending on the effect that you want to convey. Um, and I just want to um, name some failure modes, essentially, of uh, of using rhyme that are similar to, you know, uh, smudging your mascara <laughs> or um, going out of the line of, of your lips or something like that. So rhyme, when it's used as like the be all end all of something often misses a number of cues. And usually the way to fix any of the problems that I'm going to name is to read the thing out loud, which is a way of solving myriad problems. And I'm sure that you've all talked about this a number of times on previous episodes. When you read something out loud, um, you force yourself to confront everything that you have put on the page, not just the rhyme at the end. So often novices uh, experimenting with rhyme sort of um, use the whole of the line preceding the rhyme as filler for the rhyme. Mm. And that is a problem uh, because usually what that means is that you're not sufficiently attentive to the meaning of the sentence, to the rhythm of the sentence, um, and to essentially how that rhyme is going to land. If you have put the rhyme only in service of the rhyme scheme you are following, um, or uh, just as a kind of you've you've written yourself into a corner where you realize the only way to rhyme uh, with world is swirled or something like that, even though that's not what you want to say, it's usually a sign that you need to go back and try to think about what is it that you're trying to say? What effect do you want to convey? And how are you going to make the rhyme serve that effect? I want to um, read you a poem that is very short, that is to me one of the most beautiful evocative contemporary examples of a rhyming poem because um, rhyme like anything like 
like makeup, has its fashions, right? Um, and things fall in mm. and out of fashion with writing all the time. Rhyme fell out of fashion in the 17th century, <laughs> where when, when Milton wrote Paradise Lost, and essentially, and wrote a gigantic epic that was unrhymed, that was, you know, taking a certain stance in a certain taste in a certain fashion. Um, and, you know, rhyme has come in and out of those fashions in a, in a lot of ways since. But um, there is this one poem uh, that is very explicitly foregrounding its rhymes. It is a poem where you cannot ignore the rhymes. They are absolutely there and part of it. But it's also quiet and moving and generous and beautiful. Um, and it's you, you may very well have encountered it because it often turns up on Instagram. Um, it's called The Orange by Wendy Cope. And I'm just going to read it to you. <clears throat> At lunchtime, I bought a huge orange. The size of it made us all laugh. I peeled it and shared it with Robert and Dave. They got quarters and I had a half. And that orange, it made me so happy, as ordinary things often do. Just lately, the shopping, a walk in the park, this is peace and contentment. It's new. The rest of the day was quite easy. I did all the jobs on my list and enjoyed them and had some time over. I love you. I'm glad I exist. I should also say, I should maybe have said this beforehand, this is a poem that I find almost impossible to read without crying at the end. So mm -hmm. um, it's, you'll notice uh, the things I want to draw your attention to about this is that not only is it rhyming, um, it has a very sing-songy cadence. It mm -hmm. has... And it just kind of lulls you into this back and forth rhythm that seems, by virtue of being sing-songy, something a little silly, something that's a bit like a nursery rhyme. And then in the last two lines, it just becomes the most profound expression of adulthood, of mm -hmm. the challenges of just, you know, taking pleasure in small things and recognizing the grace of, uh, of just loving someone else and loving yourself at the same time. And these are things that we're no longer used to finding in rhyming poetry. You know, we're used to finding these instead in um, very sharply sculpted uh, um, free verse poems and stuff. And instead here, Wendy Cope uh, is, is doing this tremendous thing with a rhyming poem, which I cannot stress enough, is titled The Orange which is a word that you cannot rhyme in English. <laughs> and one of my favorite things about this poem is that, I mean, the orange is, or the word orange is famously the word you can't rhyme in right. English. And <clears throat> Wendy gets around that, not by using it, you know, never as the last word, it's right there in the last word in the first, uh, the first uh, line. Um, gets around it by using a non-rhyme symmetry. That mm -hmm. orange, it made me so happy as ordinary things often do. Orange and ordinary do not rhyme, but they are absolutely paired together in a way that the words echo one another. And, mm -hmm. and yeah, took the rule of you can't rhyme orange. And Wendy's like, I don't need to rhyme it. Right. And the, the scheme of this poem is not uh, something like A, B, A, B. It is 
uh, A, B, C, B, you know? Yeah, and yeah. so the the first and the third lines don't rhyme. So mm-hmm. she has also very judiciously, you know, used orange as the last word of a line in a line that she doesn't need to rhyme according to the schema that she has chosen. Um, and But you're absolutely right as well that um, when you are using rhyme in your poem as part of your effect, you don't need to use it to the exclusion of many other ways of making a sentence flow. So things like assonance and alliteration, which are also ways of drawing attention to elements of language and that uh, are much more prevalent in, in English because we have a lot more of those. This is why something like like Beowulf um, or you know, Old English poetry in general uh, didn't have rhyme schemes. They had uh, schemes of alliteration that were extremely precise. Uh, so I think like in the Old English, Beowulf goes, Wayland Himbi Warman, Ratchas Kunade. And uh, is that right? No, sorry, that's not Beowulf. That's the Song of Dior. Anyway, forget I said that. Um, <laughs> but nevertheless, it has a very specific... Um, a very specific alliteration scheme um, instead of a rhyme scheme. And you can use those uh, as well as rhyme in your work. Would you would you like a, uh, a a brief aside about my elementary school poetry uh, workshop uh, in, in which I learned about alliteration and my mom uh, had a fine moment of adulting? Oh my gosh, please. Um, we we had to write, so we had, you know, artists in residence come and um, and we learned about all kinds of different things, rhyme, alliteration, um, uh, uh, I think shaped poetry where you write that the poem is in the shape of, of whatever it is. So yes. I did a shaped poem about my cat um, and, and included alliteration in it. And, um, and it included the line, that I love to pat my pussy. <laughs> and my mom was like, maybe you want to pick a different word here. You know, kitty? Kitty is the same number of syllables. I'm like, no, mommy. No, it's alliteration. It has to start with the same letter. Pat my kitty does not. It has to be pat my pussy. <laughs> And like, in hindsight, I understand the faces that she was making and the valiant effort she was making to not laugh. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I was worried that the shape was going to be obscene. But no, 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 you went to a different place. Well done. I was in third grade. I was in third grade. (laughs) No, I mean, accidentally obscene. Oh, like yes, no, font, no. The font changed when you printed it or something. I, third grade, Howard, that was a typewriter. Like, you're so quaint. You're so quaint. That was that was pencil on, on lined paper. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so beautiful. Uh, uh, do you have anything else that you want to tell us, Amal, before we... Uh, oh, my gosh. We... I feel like nothing could possibly uh, top... Patting one's pussy. Uh, so I think I think I'm going to swiftly move into homework. <laughs> so, um, so uh, we have, yes, we have talked about uh, limericks in previous episodes. I think, um, but what I want you to do for homework today is. Uh, look up the limericks of Edward Lear, who was very famous for uh, his limericks and specifically for giving them certain features of singular person from specific place and stuff like that. 
Um, and I want you to, using one of uh, Edward Lear's limericks, I want you to use it as a model for your own limerick. I want you to just invent a limerick, paying careful attention to how the rhyme needs to match the rhythm of the limerick. So a lot of the time... Um, when people are taught how to write limericks, they're just given like a, a syllable count that you need to go from here to here. But syllables are wiggly beasts. And it's not so much about the syllables as it is about the way that it sounds when you read it out loud, the meter of the way that these syllables come together. So I want you to look up a limerick, use it as a model, write a limerick, read that limerick out loud and see if you can match the rhythm of what you're writing to the rhythm of the poem you're using as a model. I'm going to offer people a hack for doing this for people who are not used to dealing with meter. Um, that one of the things you can do when you are looking at that original limerick is to um, put the syllables that are stressed in capitals mm. or in bold. And when you are picking a new word to go into those places, make sure that the uh, the, the bold and the uh, or uh, uh, or capitals uh, match up so that your your stresses are hitting the right spots. That's that's what. I did, it took me a long time to understand what meter meant. <laughs> that is an excellent hack, and I am going to use it to explain this henceforth because I'm always trying to sidestep a whole like lecture on meter and and having to explain what an anapest is as opposed to a pest, and it just mm. so this is much better. That is very very helpful. I'm I'm happy to help with that, uh, and with that. This has been Writing Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go write. Writing Excuses is a Dragonsteel production, jointly hosted by Brandon Sanderson, Dan Wells, Mary Robinette Kowal, and Howard Taylor. This episode was mastered by Alex Jackson. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.